Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Happy Holy Monday, Monday the uh, octave of Easter. Uh, welcome to Jesus 911 Two Man Car. My name is Jesse Romero. I got my partner, Paul Clay. And we want to talk about the passion of Christ, what actually happened on the cross in reference to us. Uh, what does it mean for us? So we're going to have a conversation about salvation, what Christ did for us 2,000 years ago when he died for our sins on Calvary, and what were the effects of that. A lot of what we talk about, you've probably seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, so some of those things uh, in our conversation may jog your memory regarding the movie. Paul, welcome, brother. Good morning. Good morning, Jess. Uh, what a great topic. What a great time for the topic. I'm excited. Absolutely. Um yeah, by the way, let me just mention before we start getting into our back and forth conversations and we'll be talking about uh, what it means for Christ to die for our sins. I just want to mention that the month of April is dedicated uh, both to devotion to the Holy Eucharist and devotion to the Holy Spirit. And in the Catholic tradition, this has developed because Easter Sunday often falls in April. So in essence, April for Catholics is the month where we celebrate Easter and during the celebration, we also remember the Eucharistic sacrifice that Christ gave us at the Last Supper. Uh, so we also celebrate the Holy Eucharist, the institution of the Holy Eucharist. And uh, we also relish in the fact that God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit in this month to make us fishers of men. And so we call that day in particular Pentecost, which came shortly after Jesus' resurrection. So there's a lot to celebrate in the month of April, Paul. Amen. Amen. It's a, like I said, this is one of my favorite uh, seasons uh, for the for the year for the church, Jess. But uh, we look at this topic coming up today. I want to ask you a couple of questions and uh, uh, let you respond. OK, yeah, we'll have a conversation. I'll uh, I'll give my take and then I want to hear from you as well. But yeah, go ahead. Okay. okay. So, Jess, what is so powerful about the foot of the cross? Paul, that's a, a a term that you hear a lot of Catholics and Protestants they use in prayer. You like, you know, uh, at the foot of the cross, or you know, send this evil spirit to the foot of the cross. So, so what does that mean? <clears throat> the the cross is a war memorial. That's the spot where we, Christ and us, the body of Christ, we beat our enemy. The foot of the cross is a spiritual place of our redemption which stands outside of time and space because Calvary is the place where Satan was vanquished. In Latin, it's pronounced as such, crux stat dum volvitur mundum, which means the cross remains still while the world revolves around it. Mm. In, the, in the Eastern tradition, the foot of the cross was thought to be the actual center of the world, situated directly over hell. And the foot of the cross for believers is that place where all humans may spiritually retreat in prayer to receive refreshment and grace. It's the ultimate tribunal where Christ judges all demons because it was where Satan himself was judged. Dr. Peter Crave, the great Catholic philosopher, he says that Calvary is judo. And what he means by that, he says 
the enemy's own power is used to defeat him. In other words, Satan's ends, Good Friday, was God's means to save the world. Mm. You could also see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, where uh, the fact that that's where God uh, defeated Satan. The Bible says, None of the rulers of this age, and that's a reference to demons, Satan and his minions, none of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Mm. <laughs> so this is why, in, for example, in, in an exorcism or, or a deliverance session, a priest will order the demon or demons to go to the foot of the cross so that Jesus Christ may do with you as he wills. The, the foot of the cross is where the battle was won by the shedding of his blood, which now makes atonement. Atonement, which is a Greek word that means reconcile. It reconciles the sinner with God the Father. So the foot of the cross, the blood of Jesus, which now makes atonement and pays the sin debt between God and men. In fact, our Lord fulfilled a spiritual law that angels and demons are well aware of. And that spiritual law is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, where it says, Everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Paul, I want to hear your comments, because I know you have a mouthful to say as well. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Um you mentioned just now, Jess, that uh, the angels or the demons are they're full, the fallen angels. They're, you know, they're aware of of the, the spiritual laws. But um, my thoughts are, you know, they are now for sure. And, uh, you know, when we go back as an example and we look at the movie, The Passion of Christ at the very end, at the after after Christ is crucified, you see Satan kind of. Uh, giving off a big yell like uh, like uh, I think at that point he was realizing, you know, just what had occurred or like uh, Dr. Kreft said, uh, uh, judo, uh, you know, there, 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 was, there was judo that occurred. And at that time, he thought he had complete victory. I mean, here Christ was seemingly defeated on the cross and yet. That was the most powerful uh, 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 victory uh, wrought for the kingdom of God at the foot of the cross. At, at, at the point that Christ sacrificed willingly his life, that was what brought redemption. And I think Satan was realizing that, okay, I had my hands full with the Son of God, uh, uh, but now... Uh, as St. Augustine said, Christ has merited for us our ability to merit. We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We, Our status was now lifted from slavery to sonship, divine sonship. And now Christ, I mean, now at this point, Satan ha has not only to deal with the son of God, uh, the son of God in essence, but now that we have been grafted into his mystical body, he has to deal with a whole army of us. <laughs> yeah, Paul, you know what? And in fact, I'm going to back up what you just said right now. There's a verse in Romans 16, 20 that, that completely uh, backs up everything that you just said right now, that Satan now, because we're the mystical body of Christ, we're in Christ and Christ is in us. 
He now has to deal with us as well. Romans 16.20, the Bible says, Then the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Mm. Did you catch that? Romans 16.20, Then the God of peace will soon crush Satan. Doesn't say under Jesus' feet. Doesn't say under Mary's feet. Under your feet. Why do mm. Paul say that? Because we become Hebrews 3.14. Because now we share in Christ. Hebrews 3.14. We share in Christ. That's why he can say in Romans 16.20 that we now can crush Satan under our feet. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. And, that, and, and, and that's what I love about uh, this is that uh, you, you want to talk about judo jess this is this is judo jujitsu it's every you know this is mixed martial arts par excellence (laughs) yeah and and i'll tell you why i'll tell you why peter crave calls it judo because as you well know judo is the art where you take your opponent's body weight and you use it against them that's what they do is they, they they try to throw each other it's a series of throws and then when they throw you to the floor they try to choke you out or you know lock you up well, that's what that's what Christ did. He used the devil's inertia, his uh, his his plan to kill him, his attack, his aggression, and our Lord just threw him. He used mm-hmm. he used his inertia to throw him. Uh, that's exactly what Calvary was. Satan thought apparently, yes, I've got the Romans. The pagan Romans, I got the apostate Jews to kill this. I think he's the son of God. I'm pretty sure he's the son of God. Wasn't sure yet. I think he's the Messiah. I'm pretty sure he is. And guess what? When Christ died for our sins, that's what I want to talk about next. What actually happened when that blood was spilled, Paul? In fact, some of it uh, is mentioned in the movie, The Passion of the Christ. Where, where the, yeah. But, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. This is good stuff, and uh, it's stuff that we often need to contemplate uh, because, uh, in you know, when we when we recognize all that occurred, uh, we understand just that we have been given we have been given uh, uh, so much. Not only have we been, uh, you know, our not only has our status changed, but we have then been enlisted into what we call church militant, right? Mm. And and we have been given weapons, weapons to wage war against the enemy and to essentially, you know, uh, conquer this world for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to proclaim uh, uh, the kingdom of God. Uh, uh, like we say when we... Uh, uh, you know, in in the rosary with the the proclamation of the kingdom, it is our job to proclaim the kingdom of God and to set captives free to participate with Christ. Jesus nine one one two man car. We'll talk next about the movie The Passion of the Christ. Why did the devil get angry when Jesus died on the cross? Hmm. We'll examine that on the next segment. Paul Clay, Jess Romero, be back. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol two-man car, Monday morning. I love it. I love it. Uh, This is a holy week. This is the week that changed the world. Amen. (laughs) Shot heard around the world. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, this is the shot, Paul, that was fired around the world. Uh, and well, yeah, this is the week of all weeks. And uh, it just, it just, you know, what? No matter what happens in the world, we just remember that victory is ours, so long as we, as Jesus says, persevere to the end. Persevere Amen. to the end. Amen. So, Jess, like continuing on, uh, I want to ask you a second question. We touched a little bit on it on the first one, but I want to hear your input on this. Okay. Um, in the movie, The Passion, so we, we do see that, uh, you know, they portray the devil at the at the crucifixion. He gives out this this scream, this yell, this, uh, and what is that really all about, this frenzy that, that, that it depicts there in the movie? I think we could find the answer as to why the devil screamed in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 15, I think this is going to unpack it for the audience. Okay. The, Bible, the Bible says this. And you who were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. Having forgiven us all our trespasses, having, here, here it is, canceled the bond which stood against us with its legal demands. Mm. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the principalities, those are demons, and powers, those are demons, and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in him. Close quote. Yes, yes, Lord. Let's break down these three verses, and I think that's going to answer the question why the devil screamed in the movie of the, The Passion. Verse 13 it, it indicates that most of the Colossians are Gentiles in need of baptism. We get that, okay? Mm-hmm. Verse 14, where St. Paul talks about having canceled the bond, what does that mean? The bond is a list of charges filed against a sinful human family. Christ destroyed this legal certificate on the cross when he canceled our debt of guilt and won pardon for our crimes. So in this scheme, Jesus mounted the cross to bear the curses of the old covenant so that the blessings of the new covenant would flow forth to the world. We see so in Galatians 3. Yeah. Essentially, we were like our country in a sense. We were trillions and trillions of dollars in debt, a debt that was so unbearable that we couldn't pay. And Christ came and he canceled that debt. Paul, that's, that's the way I look at it. That's exactly, exactly what happened on Calvary. You talk about from an economic sense, this is a, this is a spiritual debt that we couldn't pay. And so what Christ did when he died for our sins and canceled the debt, that unpayable debt, he also frees us from the ceremonial observances of the old covenant, which merely signified the need for salvation in the first place. St. John Chrysostom says... He comments on, on this verse. He says, By his death on the cross, he removes all our stains and exempts us from the punishment due to them. He takes our charge sheet. Remember, Paul, when we were cops, when mm-hmm. people would get, they would get taken to court and they would get arraigned 
a charge sheet was read to them or an indictment or a complaint. It means the same thing. Every one of us, the devil had a complaint, uh, an indictment, a charge sheet. And that charge sheet, uh, for us, it meant this, uh, the wages of our sin are eternal death. Well, Christ took that charge sheet on Calvary. He nails it to the cross through his own person and destroys it. L- listen to the church's Easter vigil prayer on Holy Saturday night, where the church says in the liturgy, O truly necessary sin of Adam, which the death of Christ has blotted out. O happy fault in Latin, Felix culpa, that merited such and so great a redeemer. But I think verse 15, Paul, really unpacks the whole understanding of why the devil screamed. Okay. Verse 15, it talks about demons. It calls them principalities and powers. But it talks about disarming these demons. Okay, so these legions of demonic spirits that that are also mentioned in another place in Ephesians 6.12 that Christ conquered dramatically on the cross. So Paul, who understands ancient warfare, he depicts this in terms of a victory march or as we would say in modern times, a victory lap. He recalls how the Roman generals dragged prisoners of war through the city streets to be disgraced and ridiculed after a successful military campaign. So prisoners of war were displayed during the parade while these captives were led along in disgrace and sometimes executed at the end of the march just to humiliate them. Mm. So what what this verse is actually saying is that the demonic powers are disarmed and disgraced by the conquering Christ like prisoners of war. So, So the foot of the cross is where God is now taking a victory lap with the demons in chains behind his heavenly chariot. This is the whole spiritual theology behind why Satan screamed at the end of the movie, The Passion. Because he knows now that him and the demons were defeated and taken prisoners by the blood atonement on Calvary and that souls could not be purified and receive forgiveness of sin. Yes. So essentially, Paul, the crucifix for us is a war memorial. That's the spot where we beat our enemy. Yes, it, it, that's the spot where we became galvanized. You know, where where essentially uh, this rag ragtag uh, people who you know who were poor slaves and uh, unable to do anything have were galvanized. We came together as sons of God, Jess, as a as a a weapon forged to destroy the works of the devil. That's what Jesus said. I came to destroy the works of the devil. You know, uh, interestingly, Jess, uh, you shared in there one of the, the the side benefits, and it's a great benefit. You talked about Christ frees us from the ceremonial observances of the old covenant. Well, that's because he fulfilled it. Those things were, you know, the, the the ceremonial observances were things that were pointing to, and Christ is the reality and the fulfillment. So we don't go back to the sign. You know, the sign says Las Vegas is 50 miles. We don't go back to the sign. We're in Las Vegas. We're living in it right now uh, and, and in that reality. And so that's why that occurred. Uh, you mentioned about verse 15, uh, how he disarmed the principalities and powers. 
you might be people might be you know um, tempted to say, well, if Satan and 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 the demons knew, you know, they understand how you know these spiritual things work and these spiritual laws work. Well, why did they crucify Christ in the first place? And uh, I like to think of it like this, Jess. You you, you know, uh, years ago you told me, Paul, you need to start praying uh, the auxilium. Christianorum. And in that, we pray, you know, that 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 God would blind uh, the demons, you yeah. see, blind them from, you know, uh, uh, a, a, you know, and protect us so that they don't know, uh, you know, exactly, you know, what we're doing, uh, what we're doing. Right. And, and, we, and so essentially, um, I believe that uh, God has blinded them from this reality. Absolutely. And, yeah. And then when it occurred, it's almost like he yanked back the curtain and said, now understand what you meant for evil, I meant for good. That's Bingo, what you nailed it. Yeah. Go ahead, Jess. No, you, no, that's it. I mean, that's the cherry in the cake. You just nailed it. God has the power to blind demons and he he even has the power to blind people. You'll see in in the Bible many many places where it says, "And he was veiled," or it says, "Or he passed through their midst." What happened? It tell the Greek tells us that he basically he withheld everybody's ability to see him. That's what mm. it means. So yes. God can blind people from seeing him, and he can blind demons. But at the cross, that war memorial, he let them see exactly. The way again, it, Paul. It's like a UFC fighter. You know the jujitsu fighters. You'll see a lot of the really good jujitsu fighters. It's very, very in the in the very beginning of UFC. They would purposely go on their back, and so the the guys, you know, the, the more the strikers, the punchers, they'll say, "Man, I got this guy. I'm going to jump on top of him, ground and pound him. I'm going to win this fight." <laughs> and, and, and these jujitsu guys, they would let you get on top of them. And all of a sudden, Paul, you find your arm behind your back almost, almost torn off your shoulder. These guys knew how to bait you in. It was, it's called the guard. When they go on their back, it's called mm -hmm. the guard. And they look like crabs. You jump on top of them. All of a sudden, they get, get an arm or a leg, and it's behind your back, and you're screaming in pain, and you're tapping out. This mm. is what Jesus did to the demons. He 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 got on the guard position. They're thinking, <laughs> we got him, we got him, ground and pound, we got the victory. All of a sudden, their arm is behind their back being torn off of their shoulder. This is exactly what happened at Calvary. Yeah, little did they know that uh, Jesus was training at the Gracie School of Jiu-Jitsu and, <laughs> <laughs> and he and he was the the black belt of all black belts and uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he he, tra he trained the Gracies how about that yeah exactly so yeah uh I, you got to love these references uh two guys talking two retired cops talking about uh the things about God and we we often reference things to things we can relate to and things we understand so you got to bear with us audience <laughs> yeah paul paul this is this is two men chewing two men that love Jesus and the Catholic faith Chewing the fat. And this yeah. is blue collar conversation. Yeah. This is the way you and me would talk if we're with each other, hanging out at our house and having a beer. This is the way me and Paul Clay talk with each other. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, 
Yeah. Well, let's let's probe some other questions about uh, about our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay. I got one for you. I got I got one for you. So so in the end, let's wrap this up. Just why did Jesus have to die? So why did Jesus have to die? Again, it, it all goes back to the basic theology that uh, the wages of sin are death. Death is it's the it's the consequence of our sin because in sinning we turn our backs to God. And God's the source of our eternal life. So Jesus, the Son of God, took the consequences of our sin and death in our place. And I know as horrific as Jesus' death was, all you got to do is watch the Passion of the Christ, which I plan on watching this week like I do every year. we got to appreciate this fundamental truth of human existence, which means that authentic love involves sacrifice. Love involves the total giving of self. And that's in John 15, 13. It says, love can even mean laying down one's life for one's friends. I want to pick up on on this sacrificial love on the next segment in reference to why did Jesus die for our sins. Jesus 911, two-man car, Jess Romero, Paul Clay. We'll be right back. Stick around. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol two-man car, this is the week that changed the world. Paul, every single year since 2004, Anita and myself, we're going to spend, we'll take an hour, uh, two hours this week, and we'll sit down and watch The Passion of the Christ, and we'll mm-hmm. sit on the sofa, and we will weep. I And the reason I do that, I don't ever want to forget what it costs our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what my sins, our sins did, uh, what it cost him. I don't want to forget it. So I recommend to the audience uh, that everybody watch the movie this week. Find oh, the flowers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, Jess. That, that, it gives you a sense of what it was like to be there. Uh, it, it, as if we were witnesses of the of the great and horrific uh, a cost that it costed, uh, you know, the redemption of mankind. And, and for me, what it does, Jess, is it motivates me. It motivates me to want to, uh, you know, just lay down my life more and more for the Lord, because uh, what he endured for us. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's unspeakable. Amen. Paul, you, you had asked me the question about why Jesus died for our sins. And, and I, I just want to just make a, a final comment. Uh, the fact is, our Lord says in John 15, 13, laying down one's life for one. There's no greater love than this, than to lay uh, down one life, one's life for one's friends. So as Catholics, we've always understood that there's there's a, a transcendent meaning in suffering and sacrifice. If you endure it for the good of others, it has sanctifying and salvific. It, 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 it brings sanctification to you and to others and salvation. And yes. I know that I know that the world, you know, they tried to avoid discomfort at, at any cost. You know, give me CBD, give me marijuana, this, that, the other. For them, sacrifice or suffering seems ridiculous. But people don't realize that this is the way that God has set it up. 
This is the economy of the salvation. And, uh, you know, the first people to hear the story of Jesus Christ, they were probably just as dumbfounded as a, a lot of people today about what? The Son of God suffering? Yes. Without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday, or as they used to say in the, in the world of boxing and kickboxing, no pain, no gain. Mm-hmm. Re- remember that St. Paul wrote 2,000 years ago in 1 Corinthians one eighteen. He says, quote, for the word, for the word, uh, for the world, uh, excuse me, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Mm. Love it. Uh, Love it. What an encouragement. uh, uh, Yes. yes. Uh, Speaking of Paul, Jess, in Romans chapter 5, I just would like to read the beginning of that and we'll get a good sense of what's going on here. Um, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. More than that, that we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out, that's on the cross, reference to the cross, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given unto us. You see, just. These things result ultimately, not only have we been crucified with Christ, not only uh, have we died with Christ, but we are risen with Christ. And we, as Christ is ascended into the heavenlies, we are ascended also, you know, from a spiritual standpoint of view. And we have that status, again, gone from slaves to sons. What a thought. What a what a what a joy! What a what a promise that we have been given! Yes. What a what an incredible status that we have! And Paul, and that's why I just try to encourage people that are so afraid of what about COVID nineteen? What about the Omicron? Oh no, I got the jab, I got the booster. Are we going to die? Look at if you're a Christian, you're already dead. Romans chapter six. <laughs> you died with Christ at baptism. Amen. Why are you worried about Fauci and the CCP and the communists and uh, the globalists and the and the jab and, and and the viruses? We're already dead to this world. Romans chapter 6. In baptism, we died with Christ. What are you afraid of death? We know what at this point, as long as we persevere to the end, we will rise with him. Amen. And uh, back to uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Since therefore we are now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we have, uh, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Not only so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received our reconciliation. And I like to think of that as our emancipation, Jess. We have been reconciled to God. We have been emancipated. We are no longer slaves. Back to that that, that theme again. We are sons. Amen. 
That's exactly what the word recon, uh, reconciliation means in uh, Greek. Katalasso, it means that you were an enemy and now you're a friend. But mm. moreover, moreover, it means for us, the, the Greek word katalasso means that the death of Jesus restores shalom, peace between God the Father and the human family. That's what it means. And that's why, and that's why we see the devil giving out that shrieking yell, and it depicted in the movie because he realizes now exactly what his hatred, what his extreme hatred that he had, that was so laser focused, he couldn't see the big picture of what God was doing. He was so focused on 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 trying to punish Christ that he didn't realize uh, that God is a is a master at judo. And he took that, yeah, he took all of that energy and all of that focus and he brought about the redemption of the world. I got another question for you, Jess. Yep. Couldn't God have chosen to simply declare humanity's relationship with him restored? Why did he choose such an extreme and bloody means of reconciling the world to himself? I'll tell you what, I think that, I think, uh, there's in, in Luke 24, 26, uh, the scripture says, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? So mm-hmm. Jesus clearly says that in suffering, we, we actually come to understand more about God's love because the idea that God reveals his love for us through suffering and, and the death of Christ, this is the center piece of Jesus's teaching, especially as we enter Holy Week. So why was suffering necessary? It was to restore to us what the original humans, Adam and Eve, had lost through their disobedience. Because in their disobedience, they sinned against God's holy law. And they began to love themselves and other things more than they loved God. Uh, And of course, uh, God should be the first person in everybody's heart. So they lost the privilege of life with God, fellowship with God. And when they lost it, they lost it for the human race as well. So mm-hmm. love involves self-giving, the sacrificing of our selfish desires for the good of another. After the fall, human desires became self-seeking, disordered, narcissistic. And Christ's redemption for us, his taking on the burden of sin, not only restored our relationship with God the Father, but it also taught us the true meaning of love, which is mm. sacrifice. In other Amen. Words, in other words, words are cheap. It's through actions that we prove our love. And to understand the suffering, to understand uh, sacrificial love is to understand God. And to understand God is to understand what it means to sacrificially love. Amen. That's that agape love, which is uh, yeah. always, you know, it's a... Um, Always doing uh, what's right for the object love, no matter what the cost. And, and in this case, the cost was great. Amen. Yep. So, Paul, I'll fire off another question. Okay. This is might sound like a, a little dumb one, Jess, but w- why is there so much blood in this movie? In the movie The Passion, I think the key to understanding that that what, the reason Mel Gibson used so much blood in the movie is because he's, he's trying to help us understand the sacrifice of the countless lambs that were killed in the Temple of Jerusalem for years and years. And so Jesus 
who took away the sin of the world. He is the Lamb of God. And and this all the blood surrounding this movie, again, uh, sh- shed by soldiers who laid down their lives for their country or mothers who give childbirth, sacrificial love involves the shedding of blood. So it's no coincidence that in the Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson, he 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 wanted to to show us connect Jesus's bloody passion with the Jewish Passover because it took place the Jewish Passover the the killing of lambs took place precisely at the time Christ was going through his passion so I think it was one of the many fulfillments of the Old Testament prophecy and it's fundamental to understanding God's actions throughout history to save the human race and remember the, the it says in the book of Leviticus chapter 17 the blood the uh the life life is is in in the blood blood. the life is in the blood and so without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sins and uh what happened at calvary jesus christ now gave us a new sacred meal called the holy eucharist i call going to mass i just came from from mass this morning when you go to mass you're getting jesus blood transfusion guess Mm -hmm. what the life is in the blood. You want to get Amen. to heaven? You want to, You need Jesus' blood if you want That's to get right. to heaven. My unless blood, you eat, yeah. Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you shall have no life in you. That's what the Lord says. Amen. Jesus 911 will continue the conversation about uh, the passion of the Christ and all the little significant details. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, when you go to Holy Communion, you are getting Jesus Christ blood transfusion. The life is in the blood. Yes, Jess, before, yeah, I wanted to comment on that, you, uh, that Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, you mentioned the life is in the blood. That's the same verse, by the way, that uh, Jehovah's Witnesses use to justify on why they're against uh, blood transfusions. They will not, they will die before they receive a blood transfusion. And they, you know, they, they reference this biblical verse, but I think they are, well, I know that they're misapplying this because uh, what is this verse over here in Leviticus talking about? It's talking about the fact that it's referencing the, like you said, the many sacrifices, the the thousands and thousands and probably millions of lambs that have been, you know, poured out that were, you know, at the time we're going to point the way to the true lamb of God, who was going to take away the sins of the world by shedding his blood. And this, the, the life is in the blood is a reference to the fact that Christ's blood is what brings life to us. Christ's blood is what, without the shedding of that blood, the blood of the Holy One, then we're lost for eternity. What say you, Jess? Yeah, uh, in, in, book, in, in the uh, Acts chapter 15, that uh, those ceremonial laws were repealed at the Council of Jerusalem. But I would say this. 
is that the Jehovah's Witnesses do get one thing right. The life is in the blood. This is exactly why you want to receive Holy Communion, where you receive the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's the blood that you want Amen. in your soul. I get it. You don't want pig's blood or that can't save you. This animal, that animal, that person's blood can't save you. The blood that can save you is the blood of Jesus. And so if there's somebody's blood that you do want in your soul, it's the son of God. Yep. Amen. Amen. And just often as you know, we've been accused of being uh, because of this theology, we've been accused of uh, cannibalism. Can you comment on that a little bit? Yes. Uh, Can cannibalism is basically eating the raw flesh of an animal or another human being. And by the way, there are people that practice, you know, the eating the flesh of one's own species. Uh, when, when we eat the body and blood of Jesus Christ, we are eating the glorified risen body of Christ under sacrament, under the appearance of bread and wine, although in its essence, it is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. But in its accidents, it, uh, it, it, it tastes like bread. It smells like bread. It the feels appearance. like bread. Yeah, this is, this is called the accidents or the, or, or, or the, uh, the, the externals. Yeah, the appearance. Mm -hmm. But the essence, you could see an appearance. Like you could look at me and say, oh, Jess is 5'10", weighs 200 pounds. He's dark skin, you know, black and gray hair. That's my appearance. But you can't see my essence. My essence is I am a body and a soul composite. You can't see my essence. You can only see my appearance. 5'10", 200 pounds, Mexican-American. We can only see the appearance of the Holy Communion species. We can't see the essence. Just like 2,000 years ago, the Jews, as they saw Jesus Christ of Nazareth, all they saw was the appearance. A man probably six foot two, about 210 pounds, Jew, you know, long hair, mustache, beard, young, handsome, you know, fit. They, they, they couldn't see the essence. That's God. Remember his mm -hmm. essence when he, when he, so to speak, unpeeled himself unveiled himself at the Mount of Transfiguration and showed Peter, James, and John his essence that was veiled behind his accidents, his externals, his appearance. That's exactly the Holy Eucharist. We only could see the appearance. We cannot see the essence yet, but one day we will see the essence in all its glory. So I kind of look at that like, uh, you know, that man is a dichotomy, right, Jess? And so so on the one hand, the body portion of that dichotomy then would be the appearance or the accidents, accidents you know, yeah. that. So that's what we're talking about. But the essence of who you are is 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 connected to your soul. And that's what God Bingo. what God sees. Yeah. Makes good sense. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, even 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 a dummy like me can figure out some of this stuff as I'm listening to you. So that's good. Uh, so uh, so so, Jess, another question. Do the stations of the cross commemorate some of the events seen in the in that film, The Passion of Christ? Uh, what exactly are the stations of the cross? Yeah, the, the, the stations of the cross, there's 14 of them. The first stations of the cross were actually given to us in Jerusalem. We call that the Via Dolorosa. Our Lord Jesus Christ literally walked the stations of the cross, the Via Dolorosa. 
and uh, I've walked them twice. Uh, you, you weep, you weep as you as you walk the stations of the cross, and that's precisely the entire movie, The Passion of the Christ. Is in Mel, Mel Gibson was essentially taking the fourteen stations of the cross and making a movie out of it, Paul. That's exactly brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was brilliant the way he tied it in uh, to uh, to the fourteen stations of the cross, which occurred in Jerusalem. By the way, there was a given point in time, I think it was in the year 1000, when the Muslims took over Jerusalem they, uh, in the first battle of the crusade, they basically caught the, uh, us Catholics asleep and they took over Jerusalem. I think it was in 1095 AD at the first crusade. What ended up happening, uh, they became basically bullies. They took possession of Jerusalem. So they said, no more stations of the cross. You Catholics can't, you Catholics can't, uh, uh, do your stations of the cross here any longer and so it was the pope back in about the year 1000 where he says okay so the muslims got the stations of the cross right now big deal we're going to bring these 14 key events or these 14 points that jesus walked to calvary in every catholic church around the world and so that was commissioned a thousand years that's why when you go to every catholic church you have the 14 stations of the cross around the wall because mm. Because now we're bringing Jerusalem to your Catholic parish. There again, what Satan means for evil, God turns around and he uses it for good. Amen. And, yep. Yeah, I love that. Uh, here's one for you, Jess. Um, uh, were the nails into Jesus' hands, uh, were, were the nails driven into Jesus, were they in his hands or his wrists? That's, one, that's a question that you get from a lot of people. Yeah, well... During a typical Roman uh, crucifixion, when you study the way the Romans crucified their prisoners, they ge it's it's generally understood according to Roman uh, Roman documentation that the nails were placed into the wrist and not the hands. Why? Because it's it, the, the wrist could sustain the body weight of the of the condemned. Now, I think that Mel Gibson he took like artistic license, and the decision of Mel Gibson to show the nails going into Christ's hands. Is again, this is just basically artistic license. It's probably chosen for the same reason that Jesus is depicted as carrying the whole cross as well. Again, that's the influence of Christian art. But so, but, but the the two possibilities again. Well, it, can we, I can I make yeah. a quick comment? Yeah, jump in, jump in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because I noticed in watching the movie, I saw that uh, Jesus, uh, his hands were bound with rope and then they 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 pierced his hands but i also know that in the book of psalms um uh yes it's the book of psalms uh it says that they pierced my hands and my feet that's what sacred scripture says so right. maybe that Gil mel gibson you know aligning with obviously what sacred scripture says he placed the nails in Jesus's hands because there's, there, you know, and, and he, he easily in the movie shows how how that could have been done. Because, you know, you get a bunch of people saying, oh, if it was in his hands, he would not have been able to hang there. It would have torn and he and his body would have fell. Well, not if he was bound with rope. Uh, so there's a lot of possibilities there. But I That's do know true. that sacred scripture says they pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones in the great uh, uh, messianic uh, psalm there that David wrote. Yeah, that's a great point that you brought up. I think one of the other arguments that people will use right now, like a medical argument, is that the Shroud of Turin 
which is uh, a historically accurate, the Shroud of Jesus Christ, the burial shroud of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, there's pretty much no doubt that that's the, that's the shroud, the actual shroud that wrapped the body of Jesus Christ. On the Shroud of Turin, uh, it appears that the wounds are in his wrists and not in his hands. But uh, one of these days, we'll all see, we'll all know exactly what happened. The fact of the matter is, is that whatever whatever did happen, we know this, that he died for our sins on a cross. And we also know that this, that we are safe in the palm of his hands. That's what we Amen. safety. Yeah, and one last thing I'll add to that, Jess, is uh, the place where they would place it through the wrist, as it came out the backside, it would literally, uh, you know, uh, there's like a, a hole that they would use, and it's really at the very end of the hand. So there's an easy explanation for all of this. Yeah, you know? you could, yeah you're right. Some people would call it a hand. Some people would call it the wrist, and it's probably a yeah. little bit of both. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, right at the top of the hand there as the hand joins the risk, uh, wrist. Yeah. Yep. Amen. Yeah. So um, let's right, see. Time for one more question. Okay. One more question. Uh, what else do we know about the practice of Roman crucifixion? We know that the Romans, they copied. Crucifixion doesn't come from the Romans. It comes from the Persians. Persians are the ones that invented crucifying mm. a man to torture him. The Greeks, the Greeks conquered the Persian. Then the Greeks said, wow, that's cool. Let's let's do that. So the Greeks started crucifying people. Then the Romans defeated the Greeks in battle. The Romans said, cool, that's a cool way to kill somebody. So the Romans started using crucifixion. And they probably perfected it. And so one of the things about Roman crucifixion is that they uh, they, they would put the man's feet, they would be nailed to a piece of wood attached to a vertical beam. The Romans would remove the person's clothes. The person was typically naked. They would usually fix the wrist to the crossbeams with long nails. And through all, throughout all of this, obviously, it was excruciating pain. But none of these wounds were fatal yet. The death of, of the person crucified would occur from the weight of the victim's body, eventually causing ex exhaustion and asphyxiation. The person would literally suffocate to death it would take days and hours, uh, and it was meant to be humiliating and painful. That's a wrap, Paul. Good show, brother. Yes, amen. I uh, want to recommend everybody go out and watch The Passion. It's a, it's a great movie, and it will definitely uh, prepare your heart for this, this holy season. Amen. That's a wrap. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics. Stay tuned. God bless you. Keep the faith. Have a happy Holy Week.